Very big welcome to our service this evening. It's really good to have you here. And welcome to if you're joining online. We're going to start straight away with our first hymn. And it encourages us to tell out the greatness of the Lord. uh, To think of his character, to think of the way he's provided for us. And to be taken up with his greatness. So let's do that in our first hymn. Tell out my soul the greatness of the Lord. Unnumbered blessings give my spirit voice. Let's stand to sing when the music starts. going to pray now together. And what I want to do is use three of the prayers that are found in the Bible and uh, for, you to, for us to pray them together, really for each other, or to have people in mind that you can pray these great prayers for. And um, so let's, let's bow our heads and pray. I do not cease to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, 
the forgiveness of sins. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Oh Lord, if if only our prayers were uh, as deep as that and as full as that for each other. Never before have your people needed to stick together, to bless each other, to encourage each other and to pray for each other. So Lord, we thank you for this family of believers here and ask for your great blessing on us as we enter this new year. Lord, we have so much to thank you for as we look back over this past year and we can say that up till now you've helped us. And that's a great strength for our faith. That's a great encouragement for us to move forward. And as every every day unfolds, it's an unknown future to us. We thank you that you're the God who knows the end from the beginning. And to place our trust and our faith in you is a safe and a good thing to do. So Lord, as we look forward to this coming year, with whatever fears we may have, with whatever we might be dreading, with whatever we face in this stormy life. We thank you that you're our guide. We thank you that you are our shepherd, that with your staff staff and rod you comfort us by guiding us, by protecting us, by correcting us. And Lord, we daily need all of those things. We thank you that as a father you care for us. We thank you that as our saviour, your grace knows no bounds. And your forgiveness is such a wonderful gift to us. So Lord, help us as we continue in the battle of the Christian life. Help us daily to put on the armour of God that we will stand and not fall. You've given us all that we need and help us by faith to live for you. And Lord, as many of us bear the name Christian, we realise that it's not just about our welfare in faith, but your name and your glory is at stake. And so, Lord, in our witness to others, in the example we set as your people, Lord, help us to to know that your glory and your honour is paramount. So help us to live by your word. Help us to live by faith and obedience and trust in you.
And Lord, help us, we pray. We confess that we fall so far short of your standards and what you require of us. But we thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit within us to transform us, to strengthen us and enable us. And we look to you for that, Lord God. So be with us, we pray. Help us to trust you. And and Lord, we pray for those who um, will go through difficult times this year. Help us to support one another. We pray that brotherly love will continue in this place. And indeed, in all gospel-believing churches, we pray that in this dark world, the love of your people uh, in sharing the gospel will shine out as a light in the darkness. Lord, that many people will be drawn into your kingdom this year. We pray for the doors that you've opened. We were thinking in Revelation of the doors that had been opened to that church. And we believe, Lord, that our Sunday school, our Rooted, our YP group, our First Tuesdays and our First Steps and other ministers of the church, Hope Explored, Christianity Explored, are all doors that you've opened of opportunity that we might share the gospel with our local community. And this year, we want to pray harder than last year and pray in faith more than last year that your Holy Spirit will be mightily at work, opening the eyes of the blind, bringing life to those who are dead through faith in Jesus Christ, that all the glory may go to you. So Lord, we commit ourselves to you and pray that you'd help us this evening as we spend this time looking at your word together. Amen. Well, we're seeing our next hymn now. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear.
We're now going to read from the Bible, and we are in Hebrews, two readings in Hebrews, and we're first of all in chapter 10, which is page 1006 in the Church Bible. And we're reading chapter 10, verse 32 to 36. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And then over the page in chapter 12, sorry, chapter 13, and the first six verses that we also read this morning. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1 to 6. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honour among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Well, Mark will be preaching from some of those verses in a couple of minutes' time. Uh, But first, next we're going to sing our, our third song. And the chorus goes like this. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Let's stand and sing this together.
been in uh, Hebrews 13 this morning. We're back in Hebrews 13 this evening. I was thinking about what to speak on tonight, and uh, as I was thinking it through, I came across these two verses, Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, and I thought they may be very helpful. And then I remembered that John had said that he was going to be speaking from Hebrews, and so I checked my email, and it was Hebrews 13. So I gave him a call, and uh, thankfully he was skipping these two verses. So it works remarkably well. Um, And uh, Hebrews 13, obviously a good chapter for a new year. And uh, I hope it will be a blessing for us, uh, for the whole of today, this morning and this evening. Well, if you're heading somewhere, one of the things to consider is what to take with you. What are the things you need with you? Uh, So if you go on uh, an endurance event, a long bike ride or a long walk, what are you going to take with you? There's no support vehicle. Well, it needs to be light, doesn't it? If you're going a long way, you don't want to be taking a six-man tent with you. But it also, you do need to be fully equipped. If you're not fully equipped, you're not going to make it to the end. What would you take? Or imagine you're heading to a desert island. You're allowed to take a bit of drink... Uh, a bit of food, and one other item. What's the item you're taking? Well, as we start January 2023, we're heading into a a new year. What are you going to take with you as you go into a new year? What do you want with you? What are you going to put your trust in to get you through the year ahead of us. Well, it might be different things that we feel that we need. One of them might be willpower. Otherwise, we're never going to keep those New Year's resolutions. Sadly, many of us discover that willpower is not our greatest strength. Or maybe as we head into the future, we feel the need for plans. Maybe you're a planner. You like to know exactly what's going on. You've already got each month, each week planned out. You like to know what's going on. And yet, We've found, haven't we, we should have learned this by now, that plans don't always come together as we expect them to. What else might we trust to get us through the year ahead? Well, it's a year of uncertainty, isn't it? Bills going through the roof, cost of food rising, petrol prices still expensive, holidays really expensive. Wouldn't it be good if we could take a hefty wad of cash into 2023. That'd be quite handy, wouldn't it? Or just a a very healthy bank balance. Be quite nice, wouldn't it, to get get us through the year? For many people, that will be their safety net. As they face the year ahead, a lot of money, that will be their safety net. And maybe you haven't got a lot of money and you wish you had that safety net. You know, money is not a bad thing can be a very, very good thing. But the Bible does speak pretty strongly, in fact, very strongly, about the dangers of money. 
Money's a little bit like fire. You know, fire can warm you up, but it can also burn your house down. Money's a bit like that. It can be good, but it can also be very, very dangerous. Well, here in Hebrews 13, the writer specifically warns us about money before pointing us to something that we can trust that is much, much better. See, the Hebrews, they were tempted to put their trust in money as they faced an uncertain future. So they needed to be warned. And this is what we see firstly. Keep your life free from a love of money. What we're going to do is simply go through these two verses this evening. Keep your life free from love of money. The very fact that we're told to keep our life free uh, from the love of money shows that it is something that we need to actively do. We need to keep making sure that our lives are free from the love of money. Because you see, the love of money will constantly seek to try and take over our lives. That's the power of it. And this is for all of us. This is for rich people and this is for poor people. You know, if we're poor, it's so easy, isn't it, to spend time coveting what other people have got and to believe that if only we had money, it would solve so many problems. And if we're rich, it's so easy to love what we've saved up. The more we get, the more our grip tightens on what we own. So quickly we find ourselves becoming self-sufficient and we find ourselves asking the question, maybe very subtly, why do we need God to provide for us? We've got all we need. You know, it's very difficult to have money and not to trust it. There are several warnings in the Bible about money. We're warned that it's dangerous. Do you remember when Jesus meets the rich ruler? Do you remember what he says? Well, he says a few things, but this is one of them. How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. It's so hard not to trust riches. It's so hard to trust God instead. This is what Paul says to Timothy about money. This is 1 Timothy 6, 9 to 10. Strong language. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierce themselves with many pangs. You see, when the love of money overcomes us, it turns our hearts away from God. And in in that section, Paul says, because of money, some have wandered away from the faith, and it's caused them great harm. This is what Agur says in Proverbs. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Because he knows that if he's poor, then he'll be tempted to steal and to curse God. But if he's rich, he'll be tempted to deny God and to say, who even is God? Why do I need him? You see the danger? Jesus says we can't serve two masters. You can't serve money and God. What happens is when we love money, when we put our trust in it, it becomes our master. 
And it's a master that leads us away from dependence on the real master, Christ. And so there are dangers here. We're warned, keep away, keep yourself free from the love of money. When I was at a university, I was part of an accountability group. Uh, there were three of us in the group, and we met roughly every couple of weeks. And we had ten questions that we would ask each other. Um, everything was covered. Nothing was off limits. And, uh, and it was really helpful. It was really good to challenge each other about how we were living for God. But one of the questions I distinctly remember was about money. I don't know how you'd feel if people were asking you about your money, what you spend it on. Perhaps your immediate thought is, well, that's none of your business, how I spend my money. Or perhaps you think, well, at least it's not as embarrassing as some of the other questions. Well, when I first saw that question, I thought, I'm not too worried about that. It's one of the questions I'm very happy to answer. Didn't feel I had a money problem. But as we chatted about it more over the weeks, it just really struck me this challenge of how I viewed my money and what I spent it on. Perhaps it would do us good to chat with close friends, people we really trust, about how we view our money, how we spend it. Is this something you need to be challenged about? Is this something you need to repent of? You know, it may not be an obvious thing. You know, loving money doesn't necessarily mean that you go to bed with sort of pound signs on the back of your eyelids. It can be very subtle. It can be realising that we're trusting money too much. Or that we're not trusting God enough because of our financial situation. Or it might be that we've realised that when we're making decisions about the different things we do, different jobs, different places to live, whatever it is, that money's the biggest factor and what God may want doesn't really come into it. Do you remember the parable of the sower? Some of you know it well. In Mark 4, Jesus explains that some of the seeds didn't grow properly. He says, because the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. See, the deceitfulness of riches. So we're told, keep your life free from the love of money. Don't let money be the thing that you put your trust in as you head into 2023. Money can be a good thing. It's a good tool. Not against money. But there are dangers. Don't, don't, don't let money be the thing that you're trusting everything. In an uncertain world, don't think, well, I've got money, I'll be okay. Don't put your trust in money. So keep your life free from the love of money, the Hebrews are told. And be content with what you have. Be content with what you have. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10 says this. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. But we're told to be different to that. We're told to be content. To be content is to be satisfied, to feel like you have enough. Now I think, not that I've lived through a huge amount of history, uh, but I think that throughout history it's probably been pretty tough to be content. But I feel 
maybe I'm wrong, but I feel that that is especially true nowadays because we are absolutely bombarded, aren't we, by ads. Constantly bombarded by ads. And ads are literally actively seeking to make us discontent. That is their job, to make us discontent. And they often paint this beautiful picture, don't they? It's often this like heaven type picture. You've got these beautiful people in these beautiful places and they've kind of got this product. And the message is, if you have this product, you'll be in this beautiful world where there's never any problems. Just, just buy our product, you'll be forever content. And of course, if you've ever bought anything that's been advertised, you realise that's not true. <laughs> but it's not long, is it, before we're then chasing the next thing. I think, well, maybe if I have that, I'll be content. Ads are incredibly powerful. You know, I, I don't think it would be a bad New Year's resolution to determine that you are going to expose yourself to less adverts this year. I think that would be a pretty good New Year's resolution. We're told to be content with what we have. And maybe you think, well, I would be content if only I had a little bit more. But just remember the Hebrews' situation, the situation that is being written into. These people, they've been heavily persecuted. Uh, Their houses have been plundered. We read about that in the first reading. There was no welfare state back then, no sort of outside help. They're probably trying to save up a little bit of money as a bit of protection uh, for the future. But the writer to the Hebrews, he says, be content with what you have. And that's a challenge to us, isn't it? If the people in the Hebrews' time, in that setting, were told to be content, shouldn't we also be content with what we have? But there's a reason why they're told to be content. They're not just told to be content. It doesn't finish there. Be content, for God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God has promised that he'll never walk away from us. He'll never leave us. He'll never neglect us. He'll never let go of us. He's promised to always be with us. That's why we can be content. That's why we don't have to put our trust in our financial state or whatever it else it might be that we're tempted to put our trust in. Because we have a God and we can rest in the fact that he will care for us and he will provide for all our needs. God is enough for us. There's one point in uh, the Apostle Paul's life where he literally had nothing. And he says this, he says, I have nothing, yet I possess everything. I have nothing, yet I possess everything. You know, this promise here that we're looking at, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, that's the great promise that God made to all his people when they were about to do something big. So, what does God say to Jacob when he's running uh, away from Esau? I am with you. I will not leave you. This is how he encourages his people. When Moses encourages uh, the people in Deuteronomy 31, what does he say? Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. 
When David hands over uh, the kingship to his son Solomon, how does he encourage his son who's going to take on this huge role of being king? Do not be afraid. The Lord God, my God, will be with you. And one of the most famous ones, probably thought of it, Joshua. A lot of you will know the story. He's facing a daunting task of taking over from Moses, leading the Israelites, which are a tricky bunch in themselves, and taking over the promised land. Tough challenge if ever there was one. And yet God says to him, I will not leave you or forsake you. That is what they needed more than anything else. In all those different situations that they were facing, that is what they needed more than anything else. More than training. More than a well thought out plan. More than advisors. What they really needed in that situation was God who was going to be with them and never leave them. That's what they needed. And that was enough. God is enough. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You see the link there? For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Because God has said that, we can confidently say this. This, uh, the, the bottom of the quote, uh, it's a quote from Psalm 118, verses 5 to 6. It's a quote from David. David was able to trust it, and God has made the same promise to us. And the reason David adds that bit there, I will not fear, is because there was good reason for David to fear. People were trying to kill him. David knew what it was like to be afraid. And maybe you feel fearful of the year ahead. There's a good number of us here, all sorts of different situations. Maybe some of you do feel financially insecure and that's a a big burden for you. Maybe some of you are sort of going into a new work environment and you just don't really know how it will all pan out and it's quite a big thing. Maybe some of you are going back into a work environment and that's the thing that you're fearful of because you know what to expect. Maybe some of you are finishing school or college and so you're going to university. That's a huge thing. Uh, Or you're going into a gap year and there's this kind of uncertainty about what the future holds. You don't know and it's big. Maybe some of you got situations in your personal life and you think, how do you, how do you face the future? As I've been thinking about tonight, it's been making me think about the year ahead for me, God willing. You know, I have no idea what the future holds. It's in God's hands. But I'm so thankful for how God has helped me so far. So thankful for many of your answered prayers. Thank you for praying. It's so appreciated. But as I face the year ahead, it feels daunting in many ways. There's uh, new roles to take on, new things to do, first times. There's um, weighty responsibilities under God. And sometimes my immediate reaction uh, can be, how can I do this? And how can I do it well? It feels a lot. This is good to remember, isn't it? As we face an uncertain year ahead, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. You know, David did not fear the men trying to kill him. 
Hopefully we're not in the same situation as David. (laughs) But is that something we can say? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. You know, David, he doesn't say these things with shaky knees. We can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. And the writer to the Hebrews, he wants the people, at, uh, the Hebrews, to feel the same as David. He wants them to have confidence. They had reason to fear. They've been persecuted. The threat of persecution is growing again. They've had their homes plundered. Everything's been taken away. There's no police or sort of government organisation to protect them. And yet into that situation, this is what they're told. This is what they're encouraged to say. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. And what is striking is notice that it doesn't say the Lord will stop anything bad happening to you, therefore do not fear. That's not what we're told. In fact, back in Hebrews 11, just a couple of chapters before this, we see all these Christians or people of faith being killed for their faith in God being tortured and brutally killed in horrible ways. And they're being told to follow them. And yet even they can say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And doesn't that give you the confidence that we can say that too? If they can say it, can't we? The Lord is my helper. A helper is a good thing, isn't it? If you've got a a child and they're trying to build something and they're really struggling and a parent comes over and helps them, suddenly they can do it. Or you've got a teenager and they're desperately trying to do their GCSE maths and they're struggling. And then a, a student comes around and this is a student who's doing maths at uni and that student helps them understand it. Or you've got a hospital appointment and you're nervous about it. And someone comes along with you. A helper makes a difference. And what a helper we have. He's the maker and sustainer of all things. He's the king of kings. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's the one who is over all things and yet he knows us intimately too. He knows our names. That is our helper. So as we head into another year of uncertainty, maybe a year that might be scary for some of us, we don't know what it's going to entail, as we try to follow Jesus, what are we going to put our trust in? What are the essentials that we're going to take on our journey into 2023? Well, whatever else we take, I want to encourage you that the biggest thing you take, the most important thing, the most essential thing, is this promise of God that he will never leave us or forsake us. Now, I've been told this is a slightly strange illustration, um, But I'm going to share it anyway. I have shared it with one or two of you, maybe a few of you before. Um, I found it helpful for a good few years um, in some pretty difficult situations. So I hope it's helpful for you. 
But imagine I tell you to go to the, the store cupboard down there and, uh, and find a rope. And uh, you might go and you might find a lovely rope. You think, well, that's nice. Lovely rope. It's good. Well designed. Very nice. But then imagine I said, you've got to use that rope to abseil down off a cliff. Suddenly that rope becomes significantly more important to you, doesn't it? Suddenly you're not um, so worried about the design and what it looks like because this is the thing that is going to keep your life. This is the thing that um, without it you will die. If it breaks, you will die. Suddenly that rope is not just appreciated for its design, it's something you have to cling on to. Something you have to trust with your life. You know, with God's promises, it's so easy for us to read them. Ones like this, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. And it's so easy for us to go away and think, well, isn't that lovely? It's good, it's beautiful. But you know, what I want for us as individuals and for us as a church is not simply that we go away tonight thinking, well, that's lovely. Wasn't that wonderful? What I want is for us to cling to these promises, knowing that this is our lifeline. That God being with us is is not just a nice thing, but it is essential. Not just to appreciate the beauty of these promises, but to completely trust our life to them. We need to cling on to God's promises this year. Maybe uncertain. Lots of things we don't know coming up. But he's promised that he will be with us. He's promised that he'll provide for us. And so we can say with confidence, whatever the year brings, I will not fear. I just want to finish with a story about Corrie Ten Boom. I know uh, she's a favourite of a lot of you here. Um, I know um, some of her stories, I didn't actually know this one, maybe some of you know it. But it sums up what it looks like to really trust God's promises. So let me read it. The Ten Boom family prayed one morning that God would send a customer that day to the family shop to purchase a watch. The income from which would pay bills that had come due at the bank. During that day, a customer with a large sum of cash came into the store. He picked out and paid for an expensive watch but at the same time complained about a Christian watchmaker, suggesting that the merchant had sold him a defective piece of merchandise. Casper, Corrie's father, asked the man if he could examine the watch that was not working properly. Only a minor repair was needed, which Casper made, assuring the customer that he had been sold a fine quality watch that would work well for him. He then gave the astounded gentleman his money back, and the man returned the watch for which he had just paid. Little Corrie asked, Papa, why did you do that? Aren't you worried about the bills you have due? Her father responded, There is blessed and unblessed money, explaining that God would not be pleased with the ruination of another believer's reputation. God would provide, he assured her. Just a few days later, another man came into the shop and paid for the most expensive watch produced at that time. The purchase not only allowed the family to pay their bills, but also provided the funds for Corrie to receive training in Switzerland as a watchmaker for two years. God knows our needs. 
God will never fail us when we put our trust in him. God is enough. And that's what I want to leave you with as we head into 2023. Well, we're going to sing now. And we're going to be reminded that Jesus is the best. to close. Oh Lord God, we thank you, Lord, that you are the God that makes and sustains all things, and yet that you are the God who promises us that you will never leave us or forsake us. And so Lord, I pray that we would go into the year ahead holding tight to that promise. Lord, trusting you above all else. Lord, facing an uncertain year ahead, saying, I will not fear Not because we don't feel fear, but because we trust in you. Lord, there are many of us here in so many different situations. 
Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are a God that knows each one of them. And Lord, for anyone that doesn't know you, the joy of knowing your presence, Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them even tonight. Lord, be with each one of us. Lord, may we hold on to that promise for the whole year. In Jesus' name, amen.